0: and identify usually with just one person in the story. So let me give you an example of this. The movie Frozen. (laughs) For those of you who have children, just a few years ago, the movie Frozen was literally all the rage. And at least in my house, I used to go around and and ask my daughters, who's your favorite character in in the movie Frozen? And they said, you know what they said, always, Elsa. And that kind of that blew me away because she's the one that brings winter to people. She's the one that sort of destroys things in the movie. But for some reason, all the little girls out there, when you ask them, they would empathize and sympathize with Elsa. And I thought it should have been on But you get my point, don't you? When we listen to a story, we often will select one character in the story, like in the movie Frozen, and then when we get to the big anthem, Let It Go, we can, we can sing it with all of our heart. Right? This morning we have a story in front of us from... Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at just a few verses, really, 11 to 17. We'll read them in a moment. And for me, whenever I read this story, I identify with just one person in it. And I sympathize and empathize with just one person. And it's not the crowd who was following Jesus, it's not the crowd who attended the funeral. It's not even the little boy who was dead. It's the widow. For some reason, and, and maybe there's many that I can't even name in my heart, maybe, maybe it's because I know what it's like to have my wife miscarry. Or maybe it's, it's because I know what my mind does when my daughter begins to complain of a headache. Or maybe, maybe it's because I recently moved right kidney corner across from a crematory, and at every moment, I might see a casket being pulled right out of the hearse. Or maybe it's because in my line of work, I can go to a hospital in one moment, hold a newborn baby in my arms, and the next moment, go down the hall in the same hospital and visit someone and hold their hand whose body is racked with cancer or maybe it's a reason that I can't even name in my heart but for whatever reason when I read this story from Luke chapter 7 right or wrong I identify and my heart goes out to the woman now you might be sitting there thinking you know you're a strange guy Pastor Tim that's not where my heart goes when I read this story but I don't think I'm alone I think each of you know what it's like, especially you parents out there, to sneak into your daughter or son's room in the middle of the night just to put your hand on their chest and make sure that they're still breathing. I think each of you know out there what it's like to watch mom and dad grow older and get wrinkles and grow a little bit baller, and get white hair, and begin to think, I know where this is going. I think each one of you know what it's like to lose a dear friend, maybe to put even a sibling into the ground. You each know what it's like to attend a funeral and lose someone that you love. And so when we read this story from Luke, we think my heart is with her. I'm with the widow. What pain she must have felt. But isn't that what Luke wants us to feel? I mean, he goes out of his way, doesn't he? He goes out of his way so that we will sympathize, so that we will identify with just one person in the story. He's the only gospel writer of all the evangelists. He's the only one to tell this story, and he makes darn sure that we understand that this was a double whammy. Doesn't he? He wants to make sure that this woman, just a few years ago, had put her beloved husband into the ground, and she could remember the smile on the face, the way that he laughed, the way his eyes looked, and that this little boy whose body was cold, looked the same way, and laughed the same way, and now her only begotten son, that's what Luke says, her only begotten son is now on a stretcher being carried straight to a cemetery. Listen to this story and see where your heart goes. And then watch what Jesus does. Listen to the story with me. Luke chapter 7, we'll read verses 11 to 17. Please stand in respect for the words and works of Jesus. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry, Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise be, be to you, O Christ. Christ. Please be seated. Do you see what I mean? Our hearts go out to the woman. My heart does. Your heart does. This woman who had suffered a double whammy, a double blow in putting two people that she loved into the ground. But this is no exception. Jesus' heart, too, went out to the woman. And Luke makes this clear in verse 13. He says, When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And you have to understand this that this verb right here that luke uses is only used as for god the sympathy and the empathy that we feel when someone dies is nothing compared to god looking down and on our sin our brokenness and our death and how he feels a broken heart his heart Moved from the deepest parts within his soul when he saw the sadness and the loss of this widow who had lost her only begotten son. Well, Luke is priming the pump in verse 13. He's priming the pump because for the very first time in his gospel, he calls Jesus Lord. Did you notice that? When the Lord saw her. So before this, only God is called Lord. So before this, only the Lord, the God of creation, is using that title. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the Lord. But here the Lord looks out on the brokenness of his creation And Luke is priming the pump. He's helping us to understand that something incredible is about to happen because God himself has come. And then this Lord, the God who spoke and everything came to be, does something uncouth, something surprising. This is the part where when you meet a dead person's family, you're supposed to say some empty words. You're supposed to go to a visitation or something like that and say, they're not dead as long as you keep them in your memory. You're supposed to mutter some empty, empty phrase like, they're in a better place now. You're supposed to say something like that, but that's not What Jesus says, he only says two words. And it's a very shocking thing that he says because he doesn't even know this woman. He's just bumping into her, and he says to her, don't cry. So then he's priming the pump a little bit more. If he's going to say don't cry, he's got to give a reason why. So he does something even more surprising. We understand this, culturally speaking. Here, in New York City at least, you can honk your horn at anyone who is living. You can be as rude as you want. But when you see a hearse, when you see a funeral procession, even the most rude person, the most impolite person, will not honk their horn when the light turns green. Because we understand something that when someone is about to bury their dead, you stand aside. You get out of the way, and you say nothing. Now, if, if this is what they, we do, culturally speaking, it was even more culturally impolite for Jesus to intervene, because if you touch a dead body, you are unclean. But do you see what Jesus does? Here's what Luke says. Then he went up and touched the coffin. So he, he walks right into the middle of the thing. He says something strange like don't cry. He grabs the coffin and everything just grinds to a halt. Completely, And the bears are dumbfounded. They just stand there thinking, well, what do we do now? And then Jesus speaks. The same Lord who created heaven and earth with his powerful word speaks another word. And he says this, young man, I say to you, Now, it's significant what he says here and also what he doesn't say. He doesn't pull an Elijah here. We read it in the first lesson here, he doesn't pull an Elijah. He doesn't have to pray about it. He doesn't have to go off to some room and ask the Lord of heaven and earth, To help him out here, he doesn't have to pull in Elijah like he said and spread himself on the dead boy's body three times and beg God to do something. No, he speaks a word and the little boy gets up. And Luke's a doctor. You have to understand, too, that Luke is a doctor. So he, he's probably heard the stories like we have, too. He's probably heard the stories that, about the little girl who they thought was dead. They thought she was dead. And they just left her on the table. They declared her dead at 8.05 AM. But really, she had the faintest heartbeat. And then they come back, and whoa, she's breathing just a little. So Luke tells the story in this way. He tells the story in this way. He says, the dead man, so that we would make sure to know that he actually was dead, the dead man sat up and began to talk. So it wasn't just like the faintest of breathing and this very achingly slow recovery from this near paralysis or something like that. No, what happens, I can only compare it to this, is a car who's got no motor. And suddenly, it goes from zero to 1,000 miles an hour. This is a miracle. The little boy, he doesn't need time to sort of get the blood moving again. He doesn't need time to, to begin to let his lungs... He goes from dead to popping up and becoming literally a chatterbox. We have to understand this, that Jesus' word is absolutely authoritative. And so when the people saw this miracle, when they saw it, they could only cry out with the widow and begin to sing, God has come. To help his people. They had to say it because their hearts were bursting forth. They had to say it because their hearts were burning. God has come to help his people. It was really two things that changed a funeral into a resurrection party. Really a birthday. Two things. The deepest of compassion that only God can feel and the authoritative word of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we sort of like the little girls who watch Elsa and they sing, let it go. We, with the woman, want to cry out too, don't we? God has come to help his people. And trust me when I say it, I don't wanna pour cold water on your desire to praise the holy name of Jesus. But I need to state something that's rather obvious. The little boy is dead again. The widow at Nain is dead. The crowds are dead, both of them. And Jesus died too. He had to die. Our sin was too great, and our death too horrible, and the world too wrecked. He had to die and make a payment for it all. And when he died for it all, when he died, there was no one there to interrupt the procession. There was no one there to go and touch his coffin. There was no one there to stop him from being buried for three days. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he came back to life, and he will never die again. Not ever. That little boy is dead. That widow is dead. Those crowds are dead. I will die. You will die. My children will die. But there is a great day that is coming when Jesus will say to that little boy again, get up. And he will say to my daughters, whom I treasure with my whole heart, get up. And he will say to your mom or your dad or the person that you love with your whole heart and who trusts in Jesus' holy name, get up. And he will say to that widow at Nain, get up. And you know what will happen because he has an authoritative word and the compassion to carry it out. They will get up by the power of Jesus, Holy Word. Why do we keep telling these stories, like the story of the woman at name? We tell these stories because they bring us in, don't they? They help us feel the same pain as the woman, and they give us an explanation, and they help us to begin to hope again. To hope that that day is coming soon. This story stirs up in our heart a hope that we can only describe as a taste of what will come. Just a taste. Maybe maybe we could say it's a taste like that first sip of Coca-Cola on a hot day. Maybe we could describe it as when you're famished, that first little bit of French bisque in your mouth as it melts. It's just a taste of the great day of the Lord when he will call us all out of our graves. And trust me when I say it, that day is closer than ever before. And it's not too early to start singing and praising. And saying with the crowd, God will come to help his people. Amen. Please stand. We'll confess our faith in the resurrection.